0: The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Doctor, heal yourself. So all we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. He also said, I assure you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had serious skin diseases, yet not one of them was healed, only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill so that that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. So what I was wanting to focus on is this bolded and underlined text here where people were enraged at him. So the question is, why were they enraged? I talked about this, hinted towards this on uh, his sermon a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to go into more depth into this. Okay. So why is there such hostility over this seemingly simple proclamation? Okay, It's not simple, it's very important. This this prophecy is fulfilled among you today. But that's not what they're getting enraged about so much. So to understand the crowd's violent reaction, we must understand what the goal of the community in Nazareth was, the referenced passages that Jesus read in Isaiah, and the prophetic calling of Galilee. The first and and third points are in fact related to one another. And apparently, Isaiah is important to these folks. We see how it's referenced so frequently. Isaiah is their bread and butter. So Isaiah is loved by the Jewish folks in the first century and even to today because of the speech that he wrote in. It was very eloquent. It was very deep. It was very prophetic, dealing with good things that will come for Israel, looking forward, looking forward to good things. So to understand the goal of the people in Nazareth for settling that community. How did Galilee of the Gentiles become of the Gentiles? Right. So we read in 1 Kings that Hiram, king of Tyre, had, having supplied him, meaning Solomon, with cedar and cypress logs and gold for his every wish, King Solomon gave Hiram 20 towns in the land of Galilee. Tyre is a Gentile land. It is... This is part of the lands, you can see going up into Phoenicia here. Tyre just sitting, uh, actually, maybe that's not showing up on it. Nope, there it is, right there. It's part of the lands that should have been driven out by the Israelites. So this should be Israelite land, mm-hmm. but it's not. Now this is part of the region, in the so in the northern part of Israel, this part of the region... Uh, was lost and gained through wars throughout the Old Testament times. It was a consistent or constant battleground. And whenever, getting closer towards the time of Jesus, whenever the Romans took over the area, intense nationalism flared up in, in the region of Galilee. So you can see some of the, uh, the desire to return to the former glory of Solomon's, uh, Solomon's kingdom. So the motivations for reestablishing Nazareth is to retake what is rightfully Israel's. To establish a foothold from which Judaism can roll out. They wanted to establish a place that was strictly Jewish. No Gentiles, no Gentile influence. Being so close to the Gentiles, Galilee was was, uh, intermingled. The Galilean region had a lot of intermingling going on. So they want to have an area where it could be strictly Jewish. And also there is a prophetic calling that is that seems to be supporting their desire to purge Galilee of these of Gentile influences. This can be seen in Isaiah chapter 9. Where he reads, or where it reads. Nevertheless, and as we're reading this, try to picture in the minds of a first century Jew, okay? That has been, their land has been torn by war for centuries. They're looking forward to the coming of the Messiah where they will reign then, okay? Return to the, uh, the, the, the glory of Solomon's kingdom. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future... He will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the Gentiles, or of the nations, as it reads in mine. Gentiles is what they're referring to there. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their yoke, And the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garment of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. But how does this break down? Right. How do we really how do we really get the desire to establish a purely Jewish state in Galilee from this scripture? So breaking this scripture down a little bit here. When he humbled, going right down the line here. This indicates from the original language being humbled a repeated occurrence. So we're humbled again and again and again. Continually beat down. Okay, Just to put in the mindset of how these folks are uh, looking at this. Followed by bringing honor. The original language again. Indicates that this is the honor comes once and continues forever. So it's not something that comes in waves like the uh, like the humbling does. Rather, it is a continual high. But who is this going to come to? Who is this great honor going to come to? It's going to come to the way of the sea, <clears throat> to the land of the east of the Jordan and the Galilee of the Gentiles. Who exactly is this referring to? The way of the sea, <clears throat> going back to the original language again, is indicating the region surrounding the Sea of Galilee, okay. the land east of the Jordan. <clears throat> so here goes the Jordan River, running from Galilee down to the. I don't. I don't know what that is. It says Salt Sea here, but I don't know. Dead Sea. Dead Sea, okay. Okay, running down, uh, running south here. So east of the sea is over on this region here. But, going back to the original language there, again, there is there may be some ambiguity as to what they're actually referencing here. This may actually be just referencing the land around the northern part of the Jordan. Okay. So there's some ambiguity there. We may have something pointing towards the Galilean region. Oh, and by the way, it also specifies in that passage that Galilee of the Gentiles will receive this this coming Lord. So we see we begin to see why these folks see this region as being so important. Does this make sense? Okay. The people walking in darkness. Who are these people? Folks living in northern Israel, in the land of Galilee, were often referred to as being in darkness because they lived in such proximity to Gentiles. They had so many Gentiles moving in from the surrounding areas, darkening their perspectives or darkening their minds, so to speak. And they were also very far from uh, Jerusalem and the temple so in the first century Jewish eyes and certainly in Isaiah's eyes uh, these folks were living in darkness okay. so a light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness Whoa! <laughs> so, we, so we now have a light dawning in the land of darkness which is looked at as Galilee, what's this light going to do? This is the Messianic reign beginning in the land of darkness. What's this Messianic reign going to do? It's going to enlarge the nation, increasing its joy. So not only broadening its territory, but also bringing honor to people and thereby increasing these people's joy. Raising them up to what might be considered their proper place. The day of Midian. What are we talking about with that? This is a reference to when Gideon routed the Midianites with only 300 soldiers. So we see the power that's coming here. We see the the looking forward of not only something great is coming our way, but we too are going to be great again. So whenever we're talking about Galilee... We're talking about folks, especially Nazareth, who have this perspective of future glory. So, they settle Nazareth with the intention of having it be a purely Jewish city, which will allow the Messiah to come in and reign. So we see <laughs> the perspective that these folks have. <clears throat> the United States, by analogy has spent many, many dollars exporting democracy, defending democracy throughout the world because we think it's good. Yeah. How much more uh, intense would that be if we thought we had a prophetic calling to do that? If God had said, you will do this <laughs> and you're going to liberate the world. Wow. Yeah. That's big difference. How is this going to happen? A child will be born to us. The Messianic ruler will retake David's throne. Return everyone, return Israel to Solomon's glory. Their prosperity and justice will never be ended. Not only prosperity, but the justice. This is dealing we're dealing with people who have been oppressed for centuries. Oh, and by the way, all this comes through Galilee. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is a common early and This isn't just my interpretation of this, okay? Uh, But the early Jewish texts indicate that this is what they believed. You start reading some of the Talmud or the Midrash, then you see that this is actually documented. They believed the Messiah would come through Galilee. Okay. Now, Is there more to this scriptural basis for the settlement of Galilee or Nazareth? Yes. Version 2.0, this is going to Isaiah chapter 61. And this happens to be, by the way, the text that Jesus is reading from. So not only will we get the perspective that they're looking at all this from, the early Jewish folks, but we'll also gain a perspective as to what Jesus is leaving out whenever he reads from reads from Isaiah in the synagogue. So the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees, planted by the Lord to glorify Him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, they will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed their flocks, and foreigners will be your plowmen and dressers. But but you will be called the Lord's priests. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations, and you will boast in their riches. Because your shame was double, and they cried out, disgrace is their portion. Therefore, they will possess double in their land, and eternal joy will be theirs. For I, Yahweh, love justice, I hate robbery and injustice... I will faithfully reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their posterity among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are the people the Lord has blessed. So we're getting a little bit of a picture of the vengeance that God is going to pour out on the people who oppressed Israel throughout the years. But there's a lot more here. How does this break down? So the Spirit of the Lord God is on me. In other words, you better listen up. I'm not just speaking, I'm not just speaking for myself here. This is this is coming from God Himself. There's an inter- interesting wordplay in the word because. In the original language, there's some indication that because this particular word is in there, that whenever we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord being on me, and the Lord has anointed me to bring good news, the focus is on me. But the particular word and the phrasing that goes into because seems to indicate that the person being referred to here and the Lord are one and the same. So in other words, Spirit of the Lord is on me, therefore I must be in the flesh. Okay. Interesting wordplay. I don't understand the technicalities about it when I was reading about it last night. So, if it's interesting Amen. to you, look into it for Amen. yourself. It may be something there. I'm just tossing that out there. It's something that might be interesting. Okay. The poor. We're going to talk about that later. The, heal the brokenhearted, though. This is a very important phrase. Because this points towards Israel. The original language, the, the original wording of this phrase is the exact same phrase used in Ezekiel 34.4. Where, in that section, it's talking about the lost sheep. The sheep have been scattered. They have no shepherd. They've been oppressed. They've been broken. They've been beaten down. The wording in Ezekiel 34.4 ties us back into Exodus, when the Jews come out of Egypt. How they've been broken down, how they've been oppressed and scattered and bruised. So the original wording has a strong connection tying back to Israel and their origins. So whenever we hear the phrase heal the, heal the brokenhearted," here, we know we're talking actually about the Israelites. Israel state, the nation of Israel. That becomes important a little bit later. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. This is an introduction of divine justice finally being doled out. We are going to be free. We're going to have liberty. Again, rising up. To the glory of Solomon's kingdom. Rising raising us up to the place where we should be. Not being oppressed by these Gentiles anymore. To proclaim a year of the Lord's favor. And the day of our God's vengeance. <clears throat> by the way. Whenever we're talking about liberty to captives. Freedom to prisoners. The language in there is pointing back towards. The year of Jubilee. The major Jubilee. That comes every fifty years. When people are liberated, when people are set free, debts are forgiven. So there's strong, uh, a strong intimation of what we're actually talking about here. So the year and the day. This has special meaning because we're talking about a day of vengeance. So if you're a people that's been oppressed for centuries you may not want to see the people who have been oppressing you slowly beaten down over a period of years and decades. But if it happens in one day, where you can just see the enemy be completely crushed and eliminated all at once, it's instant gratification. But the year of the Lord's favor comes over a year. In other words, getting us back to Isaiah 9, where we talk about the instant and continual uh, honor that's being just being placed on this region and then also uh, the, the, the instant and continual favor from the Lord that's being poured out onto Israel. So again, bringing us back to the, the uh, glory of Solomon's kingdom, but to a much higher level because now we're talking about the Messianic reign. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Rebuilding and renewals. So, this is restoring to the former glory again. The work will be done by strangers. So, it's not being done by us, it's being done by them. So, of course, we're talking about Gentiles at this point. So, they're going to be servants to us. We're going to rebuild, we're going to renew everything. you will be called the Lord's priests. So they're going to do the work. We will serve God. Return to full-time worship. Eating the wealth of the nations, you boast in their riches. Your shame was double, so you get double in the land. You, You receive eternal glory. All these create the the imagery of divine justice, okay, of finally getting what is ours, and this everlasting covenant that we're making. This reminds us back to the days of I, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Moses. Okay, whenever God was making everlasting covenants with them, okay. so we see the strong ties that bridge the gap. The beginning and the current state. And in between, we have lots of war, lots of idolatry, lots of mess in Israel. In the beginning, it was good. Right now, it's not good. But when the messianic reign comes, it will be very good. So we have this, this perspective where folks are wanting to help usher this in. We have people doing the same thing today. (laughs) People want to do whatever they can to usher in Jesus' second coming. Well, he's not on our time schedule. (laughs) But it doesn't hurt to do good things still. But this is the perspective that these folks have. We must prepare Galilee to have the Messiah's reign initiate here. The Messiah's reign will pour forth from the region of Galilee. Fill the land, and then fill the earth. Oh, and by the way, we're going to help make this happen. (laughs) So again, the one who makes this happen is the Messiah. And he starts his work in Galilee. So does it make sense then, as to why this region is so important from a first century perspective, from a Jewish perspective? So with that in mind, how does what Jesus read play out? Does this, does that perspective and what he read now help us understand why the folks in the synagogue got so upset with it? Right. So what he said was, Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And it's that thing. So how this breaks down is to preach good news to the poor. Away well, wait a minute. What about binding up the brokenhearted? He left that out. Why? That's the one phrase that pointed back to Israel, to the Jewish people. So now, you're, wait, wait. Why would you leave that out? Maybe because he's not wanting to point back towards Israel. Maybe because he's wanting to point to a different group of folks. But wait, we were promised all these great things, and you're just cutting it, cutting it, you know, cutting us out. Yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. Not only that, but you're doing it to Isaiah. (laughs) He's our God. Send me to proclaim to prisoners freedom. Now, and to open the eyes of the blind. And to send forth the oppressed. Proclaim proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Send forth the oppressed. I don't know if I... Yes. Okay. Sorry. I don't have my notes, okay? <laughs> Let me just get that out there right now. I should have got that out there beginning. The I don't have my notes. So I'm trying to... Doing the best I can. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay. So I knew there was something important about B prime because it was highlighted in red. So what are we talking about here? Okay, this... So not only did he leave out finding out the brokenhearted, but he shoved something else in. Right. Okay? He got this from Isaiah 58, 6. To send forth the oppressed. What's the image that's being put into the minds of the people by inserting this? understand this, we have to go to <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 58. All right. Now, what we must understand is that. Isaiah is traditionally broken up into three main sections. Section 2 ends on chapter 57. Okay? Chapter 57, we have all the various uh, characteristics of a prophetic utterance. Okay? Let's see if I can... Uh, yes, actually, I actually that note there. Okay. Which are... Uh, reproach, Threat, and Promise. Section 3, which is begins in 58, chapter 58, which is where Jesus is reading from, begins with reproach. Okay, reproach directed towards the Jewish peoples. Okay. So what do we get out of this? Just real quick, if you're here for Kingdom Kids, we're going to come back and have our communion and uh, get ready to start checking in. So what do we get from chapter 58? Cry out loudly, which is literally mean with an open throat. As much as you can, as loud as you can. And don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways, like a nation that does what is right. In other words, like a nation that does what is right. <laughs> and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. But they'll say, Why have have we fasted, but you haven't noticed? We're doing our part. (laughs) What's holding you up? Look, this is God speaking. You do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife and strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Isn't the fast I choose to break the chains of the wicked, to untie the ropes of the yoke? At that time, skipping a few verses here. At that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing, the malicious speaking, and if you offer your bread to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then, if you do that, then your light will shine in the darkness and, and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will lead you. In other words, if you guys get rid of all your mess, then we can have this messianic crane initiate. Okay? But you guys are hosing it up so completely. We can't even we can't even get past first principles here. So whenever Jesus brought this in, it's like a slap to the face. Yeah. So not only did he leave out. Binding up the brokenhearted, which, by the way, by doing so, you're cutting us out. Mm -hmm. But you're telling us we need to change? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, it does begin to make sense as to why some folks might have been upset. But to add salt to the wound... Mm -hmm. Whenever we're talking about repentance and uh, faith, which, okay. So right after he reads this, he sits down and he says, no doubt you'll say to me, doctor, heal yourself. But there's no miracle done without faith. God's very clear about this. So why, or I should say, Is there any potential examples we could give of faith that would warrant a miracle? Okay, to add salt to the wound, Jesus says, yes, I have two very good ones. Oh, by the way, they're both Gentiles. So in other words, they're better than you guys right now. So you guys don't even have a place to start. You're not even getting out of the gate here you're being cut out for a reason. And then from this, he declares a message that is of justice advocacy. Whenever we look at the whole picture of what he's quoted, or read from Isaiah, I apologize for the disconnect between the last slide and this one. There was a good transition built in, I think. But... Anyway, anyway, whenever we look at this as a whole, we see justice advocacy, where we're sending folks out, or excuse me, the Lord is being sent out. Meaning, referring back to the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, me being God, not the prophet, to preach good news to the poor. So we're sending out, okay, to proclaim. Or sent me to proclaim uh, freedom to the prisoners. Okay, so freedom's being granted, and to the blind, recovery of sight. Recovery of sight. <clears throat> to send forth the oppressed in freedom again, bracketing our uh, uh, hierarchy here, and then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So we have this structure of I go out bring you in, send you out. So we see this repeated uh, throughout the scripture. I go out, bring you in, send you out. Similar passages in Matthew chapter 28. Where it says, I send you out to bring people in, to send them out, to bring people in, to send you out. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And by doing this, we're going to declare freedom to those who are captive to sin. Mm-hmm. By doing this, we're going to have those who once had sight, recovered their sight. Likely pointing towards the Jewish nations again. To send forth the oppressed, anyone who has been oppressed, in freedom, and proclaim an acceptable year of the Lord. All very strong imagery there. I think that's it. Yes. That's all I've Amen. Yeah, I mean, uh, if anybody has questions, sure. I have a question more than I have a comment. I, I was hoping you kind of explain it in the lesson, but I thought it was interesting that it was common practice to be able to just leave part of Scripture out and then skip to another Scripture. And then, like, the way that he does that, he's yeah. skipping all around. was common. Early. You weren't allowed to do that to the Torah. But you could. The prophets were fair game to just kind yeah. of skip around. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Why you, I mean, if it's Jesus can do what he wants. You know? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, some other guy. You know, I. I don't know how you do it, but I mean, whenever we look at it as a whole here, I think it does make sense. It makes sense the point Jesus For for to this. God. Yeah. You know, whenever we look at things in context it makes sense in this particular example it makes yeah. sense but I wonder if the one thing I was wondering is what happens when our people don't do this in context yeah. you know, yeah. then I've heard a phrase called bible surfing or scripture surfing yeah. I don't really know what it is I think it's, I've been told that's where you just take scripture it says what you want yeah. disregard the context And then, take this one, this one, that one, that one, that one, that one, put it together, and you have a a powerful message. It doesn't mean what you want it to mean, in reality, but that's, it meets your purpose, so that's what some people do. So if we go into, which seems to be what they may have done, but if it's done in proper context, then it seems to be okay. But, I don't know, I I have a problem with that too, That go oh, That will be very cautious that the actual, you're using the actual content of that scripture correctly, yes. regardless of, and not just for the purpose of your message. If it doesn't, if the purpose of your message doesn't fit that scripture, then that scripture is not to be used. Um, yeah, I mean, which I'm sure they did back then, or they would have probably been hung. I mean, they're trying yeah. to kill Jesus, and he's yeah. So, I mean, I I jumped around a lot today, you know. In in Isaiah, so I was, I spent a lot of time making sure that yeah. I'm not taking it out of context because mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff in there that's like, oh yeah, that that worked really well. I like, thought, oh, is this really what they meant? Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I spent a lot of time making sure that that was. That's the scary part that out there is, yeah. Yeah. some that don't spend a lot of time doing that. It just sounds good too. Yeah, what I found interesting was that according to Bailey they actually read the Hebrew text in the synagogue and then it was translated because I've heard many times and I, I thought this was true that, that he was actually reading the Septuagint apparently that's not the case apparently they're actually, according to Bailey they actually read Hebrew can you confirm that Ed? Well, it may be the case, but we do know that Luke's capturing of it is a Septuagint. So whether Luke was capturing the translation that was being um, put forth before the people. uh Um, So that's all that we know, you know, in terms of what what we have in terms of the New Testament evidence of that particular scene. Okay. Okay. You totally answered my questions as to why he left some stuff out and put some stuff in. Yeah. I can see now what they do. Yeah, but yeah, I think the the whole like, um, you know, what you kept bringing out about how Isaiah nine would have actually just riled them up more, rather than made them more compassionate. Yeah, I think that that was a great insight too. Yeah, you no, know, this is our charge. Yeah, I mean that's their perspective, you know. It's yeah, are like, like, wait a minute. Isaiah says. We're going to do this. And you never say going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Look at that part, though. You can't. You can't. What are my promises? Yeah. It's just so hard. Man, it must be so hard for us to realize we're done this You know, so. I couldn't get it in the room. And this, this week snow. I only went in on Monday. Yeah. On Monday, Tuesday, that was it. And I went yesterday. All right. Yeah, Monday and Tuesday for me. Hey, but by the time I, I went to go I see you. It I heard you on Monday or Tuesday. I didn't see it. At all. You heard me. Yeah. You didn't you say you got it on, on Monday? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I heard you talking. Oh, I think that's in the shower or something. <laughs> probably, probably. What up. Yeah, I mean, so every every, every year, year our family huh? would go and to big festivals in. for Lithuanian pretty independence, good. even oh, though we were still oppressed by the Christians. The only thing I can think of is, like, what if all this prophecy was to... His friend studying with the chap-chap